Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, well, well. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nick's Nerd News. It is episode 252. Yes, that's right, 252 episodes. We are eight weeks away from our fifth year anniversary. How wild is that? Well, it, it's pretty wild. How are you guys doing? You guys doing good, having fun? It's uh, Obviously, it's me, Nick, your host of, of this lovely podcast that, that you're listening to. Anyway, you know, I've been uh, posting more on TikTok, so hopefully you guys have been checking out the previews of every uh, each week's episode. Uh, you can check that out uh, on my personal TikTok under the Nick DeFalco. You know, of course, we post on on Instagram as well as as the the show's uh, Instagram Nixner News. Uh, make sure you guys check that out as well. But not going to spend too much time on liking, sharing, sharing, subscribing, ringing a bell. I, is there a bell? I don't know. But you know, there's a link tree. There's that. You guys can you can click on those things. But I digress. Why don't we go um, in and talk about what we're really here to talk about, and that's the nerd news, the news of nerddom, the nerd newsiness newsness. All right, so what's going on in the video game world, shall we? Well, how about this? Did you guys love playing... Um, Sim- the Simpsons hit and run, like back in the day on PS2 and, and stuff like that. I always did. It's one of my favorite games. Um, unfortunately, I had it and we were moving and I had my PS2 in the standing upright position and it was in a, uh, empty room <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but the PS, my PS2 essentially fell over with the disc in, inside, never worked after that. Never, ever worked ever again after that, and it was very upsetting. Uh, Hit and Run was like the Crazy Taxi Simpsons game, and I've always wanted like a remake or remaster. Well, it turns out me and probably a lot of other people aren't the only ones, because Joe McGinn, who was the lead game designer on the Simpsons Hit and Run, has uh, lent his support to the movement if you if you even want to qualify it quantify it as that um of a remake he says quote i would love to see it unquote speaking with games radar um and he said that apparently it's it is quote still the highest rated simpsons game ever made according to metacritic unquote which i'm sure i could look up and i don't doubt it it is from 2003 and Oh, wait, no, sorry, Hit and Run was not the Crazy Taxi one. Hit and Run was like the Grand Theft Auto game. Um, That was, uh, I'm pretty sure, is this the one that didn't work? Anyway, both of those Simpsons games were fun. Hit and Run, though, like I said, is the uh, GTA one, and yes, that is the one that stopped working for me. The Crazy Taxi one still worked. Um, I forgot what that one was called, but... Simpsons Hit and Run was so fun. It had so many cool cars. It had a cool story. 
It had a fully, like, drivable Springfield. There hasn't been a good Simpsons game like that in a while. And I don't know why they stopped making them. Like, it, The Simpsons is still a huge property. Yes, it's not the juggernaut it once was. But there's definitely a market for Simpsons games. And I don't see why they stopped. But hopefully this interview with with uh, Games Radar gets the powers that be involved and hopefully get them to hop on board the, the remake train, if you will, or remaster, or whatever you want to do. Just something so people can play it again. Hell, even make a sequel while we're at it. That would be, that would be just as fun, I think. And I think people would appreciate that as well, too. Especially with all the new things that have come in the Simpsons in the 20 years since the game came out, right? It, like literally 20 years ago that game was out. And there, there's plenty of things that they could add and expand upon since then. We've also learned that the writer of Half-Life, who uh, Mark Laidlaw, um, has expounded upon, I guess he put up some stories on online um, of that were potentially like Half-Life episode half-life 2 episode 3 and uh in an interview with rock paper shotgun and he published tw uh, fan fiction on his website in 2017 and i guess he never got to finish right his story he said quote i was deranged i was living on an island totally cut off from my friends and creative community of the last couple decades i was completely out of touch and had nobody to talk me out of it it just seemed like a fun thing to do until I did it, unquote. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, he posted something called Epistle 3, a short story, which people took it to mean Episode 3. And uh, <laughs> he, he told it from the perspective of different characters that have a very similar name to the characters of Half-Life 2. And uh, he also told Rock Paper Shotgun that he, quote, have come out of the other side a lot less embarrassed, unquote. But uh, he hopes, though, that something happens with the future and hopefully he's involved. I know a lot of people are waiting for episode three of Half-Life 2. If it ever happens, though, is another story. Moving on, Dead by Daylight will be the next game to get a movie adaptation. I don't know, horror games are easier to adapt because horror as a medium is a lot easier to do and is a little more friendlier to changes. Uh, Dead by Daylight though, isn't that like a multiplayer? So that would be um, a little interesting. Oh, 2016. Um, yeah, it's a multiplayer game. I don't know how you turn that into a movie, but we'll, um, we'll figure out how that, how that goes. If you're still playing Splatoon, the first one, and Mario Kart 8 on Wii U, well, you're probably going to be out of luck soon because Nintendo will be shutting them down, uh, for security reasons. First off, I don't know how many people were playing Splatoon originally. And the fact that Mario Kart 8 <laughs> came out on a Wii U is ridiculous. Oh my god. Speaking of Nintendo, Nintendo Switch Online, which adds 
uh, the ability to play like Game Boy games and, and NES games and things like that. We'll be adding Metroid Fusion to Nintendo Switch Online next month. Metroid Fusion, I actually own that game for Game Boy Advance, um, is a really good Metroid game. Uh, looks like Detective Pikachu will be moving forward and it has found a director. Jonathan Crisell, or Kreisel, who is actually the co-creator of both Portlandia and Baskets, is in talks or has been tapped already to direct the sequel to the legendary pictures uh, Detective Pikachu. No word yet on anything else other than it's not dead, it is moving forward, and they looks like they found a director. Uh, Square Enix will be losing its president. After 10 years on the job, its current president will be stepping down. This is the same guy that was, like, pushing for NFT integration and things like that on Square Enix games and, and, and other crypto nonsense. So, and this guy had the Avengers game made. And he lost the Tomb Raider franchise. So, I'm sure other things have led to him stepping down, but a good portion of it are some major losses, major taking big L's uh, to the to the company for sure. Meanwhile, another one of their brands, which made Forspoken, that game was a dud and caused one of its studios to essentially close. So looks like this dude uh, kind of deserves his his going off in peace essentially, if you will. Uh, EA has been asking gamers if they want to have a Dead Space 2 or 3 remake. I don't know why that's an or. It should just be both. Do the Capcom route and remake them all like they've been, like Capcom's been doing with Resident Evil. And I'm sure they're getting enough responses, especially since the Dead Space 1 remake sold very well, was very well received and, and reviewed. I don't see why they wouldn't do two or three. Crunchyroll has named Cyberpunk Edge Runners its best anime of 2022. Yes, that's right. It beat out Demon Slayer, beat out Attack on Titan. Cyberpunk Edge Runners is Crunchyroll's number one anime of 2022, and it's not even on Crunchyroll. Of course, based on. The CD Projekt Red video game, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, Redfall, the next game from Arcane um, and Bethesda, will have cross-play across Xbox, Game Pass, Steam, and the Epic Game Store. I don't understand the Game Pass thing because it's Xbox. But if you get Redfall, uh, the game where you fight vampires in a small sleepy town, and your friends get it on Steam or Epic or Game Pass or what have you, there will be cross-play parity across those four platforms. A new Dragon Ball Z Budokai game was announced. Uh, it will be running in the Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi series, which is a spin-off of the Dragon Ball Z Budokai. I, I don't... How many fighting games can we tolerate inside of the Dragon Ball Z universe? Considering how well Baller or Fighters is, and in general, how many like Dragon Ball games can we have running at once? I swear there's like four of them out right now at the same time. How? How does how is that sustainable? 
How you don't want to split the player base or their time? Like I don't, I don't get it, man. I know fighters is essentially like done, but I, I don't know. Speaking of which, it's a little offshoot, but Guilty Gear Strive, which is made by the same company that made Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Guilty Gear Strive is coming to Xbox this month, and it's hitting Game Pass. So, that's a major deal. Anywho, if you are on last-gen consoles and you've been waiting patiently for Hogwarts Legacy, well, you're going to have to wait an extra month. It has been delayed from April out to May 5th. No word, though, on if the Switch version has been delayed. Uh, Paradox Interactive had a showcase this week announcing some new games and DLC. Uh, Stellaris is getting expansions as well as console versions. Uh, U- Europa Universalis 4 is getting new DLC. A new game called The Lamplighters League, which is a new turn-based game, is coming out. Uh, Crusader Kings 3 is getting more DLC. And Cities Skylines 2 has been announced for release this year, almost eight years after the launch of the original City Skylines. Uh, nothing was shown off other than a CGI trailer. But yes, City Skylines 2 is a thing, and it's coming later this year. Uh, the UN will host its first ever video game event, uh, hosting an event for the 20th annual Games for Change event, um, featuring games... Men out to change the world, essentially. Uh, we finally have a new official launch date for Bethesda's Starfield. In an announcement today, Todd Howard and the team announced that, un- uh, unfortunately, Starfield has been delayed outside of the first half of this year. It will release September 6th, 2023. So Starfield is officially a fall release. Um, And then a couple more things before we get to our biggest story here. It looks like Sea of Thieves will be getting a tabletop version. I don't know how you turn a pirate RPG into a tabletop game, but apparently Rare is doing it. Uh, And then Google has announced that they essentially admit their failures with Stadia. Um, so speaking with Axios, uh, Google's cloud director of games, industry solutions, Jack Busser said that, uh, while they are still quote, absolutely committed to games, unquote, uh, they've given up on cloud. He went on to say, quote, it was at that moment when we basically had to make the decisions about Stadia that we realized that at Google cloud, we are at our best when we're helping other people build this stuff not necessarily building it ourselves, unquote. Um, So essentially that uh, it, it's, um, they couldn't do it on their own. They, they had no business doing it. They should have been partnering with other people or helping them with their cloud stuff. And it, it makes sense. It's why the stadia didn't take off. It's why it didn't hit as well as I think they were hoping. Um, they're going to try and be a competitor for other cloud infrastructure providers. So they're, they're pivoting to more compete with Amazon and, and, and Microsoft, who are the biggest in the cloud space right now. Um, so 
it looks like they've already partnered with Niantic, Embracer, and 2K, but it's not going to be like Stadia. Um, I guess they're going to just offer cloud solutions for them, but who knows what's actually in Google's future moving forward in terms of gaming, as they're one of the few companies that is opposed to the Microsoft Activision deal, obviously because they know that it, it was against them. And they, they, they're competing with Microsoft directly, so it makes sense. But anyway, the biggest story in gaming this week revolves around the Activision Blizzard deal, as always. And two major things happened uh, since last week's episode. The first is that a judge in the FTC case against Microsoft here in the U.S., um, that a judge has uh, essentially allowed uh, and sided with Microsoft in their request to get details of Sony's exclusivity deals, essentially. Um, so this request would go after any deal made after January 1st, 2019, uh, and would cover fees, agreements, uh, and anything relating to that that would prevent publishers from putting any game on Xbox Game Pass or Xbox in general. Um, so it's, it's because Microsoft has accused them of quote-unquote blocking rights. Um, this is the this is from the words of Judge Chapel himself. Uh, his name is Judge D. Michael Chapel, who is the chief administrative judge for the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. He says, quote, Microsoft argues that the complaint in this case makes a number of allegations regarding high-performance video game console developers' exclusivity arrangements with video game publishers. Microsoft states that it is aware that the SIE requires Sony inter, uh, requires many third-party publishers to agree to exclusivity provisions, including preventing the publishers from putting their games on Xbox's multi-game subscription service, and that understanding the full extent of SIE's exclusivity arrangements and their effect on industry competitiveness will assist in its defense, quote-unquote. So, SIE being Sony Interactive Entertainment, um, and they, they, they tried to get back through 2012... But he labeled it excessive, the judge, um, but allowed it to go back to 2019, allowing Sony to get it. Sony is fighting it. Um, but essentially, this is going to open the door into figuring out... This. Uh, granted, this is all playing out like the, the case against Apple and, and Epic a few years ago. But this is opening the door to seeing what Sony is actually paying these companies for their exclusivity deals which kind of flies in the face of their whole argument against uh, Microsoft owning Activision. And look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not discrediting um, arguments against Microsoft buying them, right? I'm not, I'm not, I get it. Some people are against it. I understand where they're coming from. It is not something that I necessarily agree with, but I understand their, their reasons for it. But now Sony... More things have leaked from the the this their aversion to it. This time out of the UK, Sony essentially is th this is this is tantamount to paranoia. In a document that they gave to the CMA, the Com Competition and Markets Authority in the UK, they said this quote: "Microsoft might release a PlayStation version of Call of Duty where bugs and errors emerge only on the game's final level or after later updates." 
even if such deg degradations could be swiftly detected, any remedy would likely come too late, by which time the gaming community would have lost confidence in PlayStation as a go-to venue to play Call of Duty. Indeed, as Modern Warfare 2 attests, Call of Duty is most often purchased in just the first few weeks of release. If it became known that the game's performance on PlayStation was worse than on Xbox, Call of Duty gamers could decide to switch to Xbox for fear of playing their favorite game at a second-class or less competitive venue, unquote. What the actual fuck is that nonsense? You really think they're going to bug the game? That will hurt them. Like, what? <laughs> That's the biggest bullshit I've ever read. This is straight up just like, uh, uh, they're going to they're gonna be mean to us and, and screw us over if, if, if they buy it. Like, no, dude, they're not going to do that. That's going to hurt COD. That's, that's going to hurt Call of Duty in general. Be like, how can you release this buggy trash? No, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And it just proves, again, it just proves that Sony has their head up their ass and they just don't want to lose whatever they have with cod the shit is being slung from everywhere and sony continues to come out looking like a sore loser despite the fact that they have the market cap they're two to one right and and, and more and more they're trying to play the field and, and get the regulators on their side knowing that the regulators might not know a whole lot about the gaming industry because that that statement is 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 proof in the pudding right there they even go on to say something about how maybe it won't have haptic feedback for the new triggers on the DualSense controller. Like, what the fuck? Really? That's your concern? Uh, it, 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 it's really ridiculous, the, the, the lengths they're going to at this point. Um, it, it's, yes, there's a reasonable s suspicion that maybe Xbox might get updates faster, but if, if they didn't, that would hurt their reputation and, and Activision more so than it would hurt Sony, right? Microsoft has repeatedly offered them, here's the deal, 10 years guaranteed. You can put it on PlayStation Plus, Plus or whatever the fuck it's called. If it's on our Game Pass, we can, you can put it on, on your, um, on your uh, uh, what do they call it, um, PlayStation Plus service. But then they go on to say, quote, Microsoft has not shown any real commitment to reaching a negotiated outcome. They've dragged their feet, engaged only when they sensed the regulatory outlook was darkening, and favored negotiating in the media over engaging with SIE, unquote. Which is completely false, because Microsoft has continually sent them letters. Apparently, Bobby Kotick has even come out and said Sony won't even answer his calls. So... It, it, Sony is just playing the victim when they're not. It's a constant moving of the goalposts, as I've seen multiple people say. Comments online are hilarious because they're they're split about it's about everything at this point. And look, you can make all kinds of arguments about consolidation and things like that, but Sony doesn't have any good faith arguments, and any regulatory boards they need to do their due diligence here and like actually look at the real facts before they make a decision. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not going to be sad about it, either way, right? Because Call of Duty is still coming out regardless. If Microsoft gets it, they get it. If they don't, it's fine. 
I feel more bad for Activision's employees because of how Bobby Kotick and the leadership at Activision do things. Um, hopefully they allow more unionization to happen at Activision if the deal falls through. Microsoft tends to be a little more pro-union with its, with its studios and employees in general. Um, it's just, there's, there's a lot of arguments to be made. There's a lot of arguments to not have because some of our, some are pointless, some are fruitful. Um, is it bad for the industry? I don't know. Consolidation can be bad. Is this consolidation though? I, I, again, I don't know because new studios pop up every week in gaming. Yes, it's one of the largest third party publishers, if not the largest. Um, I'm not sure if EA is bigger or not. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's a shit sandwich is what it is. Obviously, I would prefer Microsoft to get it. But it, like it, it's not going to change things either way if it doesn't go through, right? Um, Activision will continue to make Call of Duty for years to come, regardless of who owns them. But we'll, we'll see, though, if anything ever really happens. A lot of these findings and things are due within the next two months, so I'm sure we'll have many more updates to come in the coming weeks. But uh, that's it for gaming. Let's uh, let's move on to what's going on in TV land, shall we? So what's going on in in your TV in the boob tube, as it was called? Um, Star Trek Discovery will be coming to an end with season five. Now. They didn't say if it was canceled or if it was just not renewed. I, I'm very confused because none of the statements make any sense. It, it doesn't come off as we're ending on our own terms or we're canceled. So I'm, I'm, I'm very confused in how this, this is um, playing out. So season five will drop sometime in early 2024. And there's going to be apparently quote-unquote year-long celebrations and appearances at key events in markets around the world. And I guess they've, they've pretty much completed filming. There's still some left to do. Obviously, there's post-production. Um, but Soniqua Mark Martin-Green, who is the star of Star Trek Discovery, she plays Michael Burnham, says, quote, I will never forget how it felt to stand together as a show family cradling the heirloom of Trek with all those from the franchise at large and with the fans. The fans welcomed us into their hearts as we launched a new iteration of Trek and an entire entertainment platform, and we'll never forget it, unquote. Remember, Star Trek Discovery pretty much was the first like show made specifically for what was then CBS All Access and is now Paramount+. Plus. Um, again, I'm, I'm very confused... In, in how this is all playing out. Um, Star Trek Discovery, of course, has been somewhat divisive. I did not like the first season. I, I did not watch the first or second season, and I came back when season three was getting underway. Uh, season two really saved the show for me, in my opinion. Um, and it, it's, it's very interesting. Like I said, it, season five will be the final season. It's the first Star Trek show to get... Five seasons since uh, technically Star Trek Voyager. Because Star Trek, yes, Star Trek Enterprise is in between. But that got canceled during season four. So that only had four seasons. Um, we've also learned, though, that Jonathan Frakes, of course, the star of Star Trek The Next Generation. 
and has directed numerous Star Trek episodes across the franchise. Has uh, Of course, he's currently starring in Star Trek Picard Season 3. It looks like he actually filmed uh, the first half of what will be Star Trek Discovery's fifth season finale and series finale. And um, he was being interviewed by IGN, and he said, quote, I'm told they have a very satisfying fix so that it will conclude in a way that will tie in the story up. And I think they figured out how to do it. So they're going to go back and shoot and add to this finale that uh, Olatunde Osunami and I did. I'm guessing that's the director of the second part. Um, Unquote. So it looks like, based on what he said, it sounds like it was canceled. Because... You don't go in and film a fifth season finale and then someone, them having to go back and do some extra stuff to make it a series finale. It would be interesting if they canceled it, though, because I figured, I would figure Star Trek is a big cash cow for Paramount+. Plus. Obviously, Star Treks of today are much more uh, VFX-focused and VFX-heavy and probably cost a lot more than old Trek shows. So having uh, three or four of them going around is not ideal in a streaming service, especially one that's somewhat affordable uh, in Paramount Plus compared to some others. So maybe they're just trimming the fat. Maybe it was canceled. Maybe it's not doing well. I'm not entirely sure. Um, But Discovery, Star Trek Discovery will end early 2024 with season five. Uh, We also got our first trailer for the new Pokemon anime, which is teasing a big adventure through the Paldea region. We have a character from Kanto. We have a character from Paldea. We have the new character, the new professor and his partner, P- Captain Pikachu. Uh, it wasn't in English, though, so I w- was reading the subtitles. But you can go and watch that trailer. I think the English dub will drop sometime in later this year. Uh Jenna Ortega, the star of Wednesday and, of course, Scream 6 that comes out this weekend, was being interviewed, and it looks like she was uh, on the Armchair Expert podcast via Variety, and she was talking about how she essentially was a, a nuisance on set while filming Wednesday. She said, quote, I don't think I've ever had to put my foot down more on a set in a way that I had to on Wednesday. Everything that Wednesday does, everything I had to play, did not make sense for her character at all. Her being in a love triangle, it made no sense. There was a line about a dress that she has to wear for a school dance, and she says, oh my god, I love it. Ugh, I can't believe I said that. I literally hate myself. And I had to go, no. There were times on set where I even became almost unprofessional in a sense where I just started changing lines. The script supervisor thought that I was going with something, and then I had to sit down with the writers, and they would be like, wait, what happened to the scene? And I would have to go through and explain why I couldn't do certain things. I grew very protective of her. You can't lead a story and have no emotional arc, because then it's boring and nobody likes you. And Wednesday's a teenager. When you are a little, and say, really morbid, offensive stuff, it's funny and endearing and, oh, you don't know any better, but then you become a teenager and it's, well, you're being nasty and you know it. There's less excuse, unquote. I kind of agree with her here, because if they were going to have Wednesday say things like that, then the writers, 
don't know Wednesday Adams at all. Wednesday Adams is supposed to be morose and somewhat morbid and, 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 you know, um, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word and it has to do with like Halloween shit and darkness and, um, wow. Anyway, it starts with an M and I, I can't think of it, but like Wednesday is not supposed to be giggly and bubbly and in a love triangle. Like that is not how Wednesday items operates. Um, and, uh, macabre, that's the word I knew. I, I knew <laughs> it was there. It was on the tip of my tongue, but you know, I, I support Jenna in this. Obviously a lot of people say she was perfect for the role cause she's kind of weird and dark and edgy anyway. So it makes sense that, you know, she, she was Wednesday in making these changes. It, it's almost serendipitous, um, but you shouldn't really ever have to put your star in that situation either. So it's it kind of sucks that um, it, it's it's interesting for sure. I don't know though. I don't. We'll see what happens. If I know it's getting a season two, so we'll see what happens moving forward. We've also learned that the uh, Devil in the White City show that Hulu was producing and uh, alongside with uh, Keanu Reeves uh, is has been canceled. Uh, apparently Keanu has quietly left the project. Hulu might shop it around, but as of right now, it will not be produced. Um, we've also learned that Ted Lasso Season 3 isn't necessarily the end, according to its stars, but what that means, I'm not sure. Uh, HBO has announced that Barry will end with Season 4, which uh, premieres later this year, I think either this month or next month. And in the best news TV-wise I've heard in a long time, John Bernthal is officially joining the MCU as Frank Castle, the Punisher. He will be joining uh, the Daredevil Born Again show. Of course, reuniting with his Netflix Marvel uh, co-star in, uh, in the Daredevil show. And I cannot wait to see him return to the role that he essentially perfected. Um... Which is great news. So, uh, before we move on to movie news, let me talk about some TV reviews. The Mandalorian had its second episode of the third season today. Another short episode, but a lot happened. Uh, it looks like we're going to be wrapping up Din's um, quest to bathe in the waters of Mandal uh, the mines of Mandalore. Because that essentially happens in this episode. Uh, and I, it looks like he's giving up on their, his quest to bring IG-11 back as well. It's kind of weird. They made it seem like it was going to be a, a huge season-long thing. We got to go back to Mandalore, though, and uh, Sundari City, and see what it looks like after the purge, after Mandalore was bombed, and the ruins, essentially. We got to see Din bathe in the waters of the mines of Mandalore, and uh, a lot of character development with, with Bo-Katan as well in the show with, with Din. Uh, it was interesting to see Grogu do some things. And then there was this new, like, cyborg creature who also had, like, a cra crab mecha. That, that was fucking cool. But the best thing about this episode was we got to see a creature that has been teased in Star Wars lore since it first appeared as a 
a uh, a symbol on on Boba Fett's shoulder pauldrons, pauldrons, and that is the mythosaur. The mythosaur is is essentially the mythosaur skull is that skull you see on the side of of Boba Fett and very a lot of toys related to Boba Fett um, and Mandalorians in general. Uh, it was deemed extinct forever in old canon, new canon, and now it looks like one may be living underneath the ruins of Sundari City. Um, the fact that there was a mythosaur on screen is amazing. I'm telling you, no one could have predicted this. No one. Zero. If anyone did, they deserve like a million dollars because... I don't even think we've ever seen a mythosaur properly in a book, in a comic, in anything. We've only just seen their skulls. I think there's a mythosaur in like a old canon, um, old ex expanded universe like reference book for war, uh, the history of war in the Star Wars galaxy. I think I have it. But the fact that we get to see a real one in live action and they're enormous... <laughs> boy, oh boy, you need to watch The Mandalorian now. Uh, great fucking episode. Wish it was longer, though. But a lot of things happened, and it's shaping up to... I think the season focus is then going to be on the Darksaber, to be honest. But who knows? We'll see. Uh, and then I do want to talk about Star Trek Picard before we go into movies. Star Trek Picard Episode 3 is amazing in a lot of ways. Uh, the first way, Worf returns, and he's a badass, and he kills a Ferengi. In the second way, or was that the second episode? Anyway, Worf is back. That's all that matters. Oh, no, no, he killed the Ferengi in the second episode. In this episode, he's doing a lot more with, with Rafi, and I very much like it. Um... It's, it's good to have Worf back and doing a lot of things. Over on the on the Titan, though, we get Riker and Jean-Luc getting in arguments on the bridge, which is fun to see. Uh, we get uh, some closure in regards to Jean-Luc and Beverly, which we haven't seen in a while. But what's very interesting is that changelings are back there's one on the titan and there's one that Worf and rafi capture there's an allusion to odo star trek picard is now not just a sequel to the next generation but to deep space nine as well because it looks like the founders are back and they're trying to reignite the dominion war and oh my god if we don't go back to Deep Space Nine, or if I don't get some other character from Deep Space Nine showing up, I'm not going to be a happy man. This, this literally opens the door for a Cisco return. I, I know that he has stepped away from acting recently because the industry kind of shunned him for some stupid-ass reason, uh, Avery Brooks. But if, if they can get Cisco back for something, come bring him back from the profits for Picard... <laughs> the Dominion War is back, baby. That means you need to bring Martok back, and you need to bring Bashir in, and Garrick, 
I'm praying for. Most likely not, but if they bring Garrick back, I think a lot of people will be happy. But that is it for TV. Let's head on down to Hollywood. So, what's going on in Hollywood, huh? Well, looks like Taron Egerton is passing on being James Bond. He's the next actor to do so. Um, he probably just doesn't want to commit to, you know, a huge multi-year deal. Um, he's debunked rumors, essentially, but at the same time passing on it. And uh, he was speaking with Total Film. He said that he isn't the, quote, right person, unquote, for the job. Um, he thinks they already found it, their successor for J Daniel Craig. He said, quote, I think they've already got someone, and it's not me. I've never been part of the conversations. I've never met the Broccoli's. They've never inquired about me. I've just never been one of the guys that they're looking at. I just don't think I'm the right person for that. I think there's much, much, much better candidates for that role than me, unquote. Um, <laughs> he also went on to say he'd be assuming the role of, quote, a very willing audience member, because they're brilliant films, unquote. Right back at you, Taron. Honestly, I'd rather have Taron Egerton stay uh, Eggsy for The Kingsman, and they keep making those movies, and I think we'd all be in luck. We'd all be in luck and be happy. Um, Donnie Yen has spoken about how he has fought stereotypes on both the set of John Wick Chapter 4 and Rogue One. Um... Speaking with GQ, he said the name was Shang or Chang. Why does he always have to be called Shang or Chang? Why can't he have a normal name? Why do you have to be so generic? Then the wardrobe again. Oh, Mandarin collars. Why is everything so generic? This is a John Wick movie. Everybody's supposed to be cool and fashionable. Why can't he look cool and fashionable? Unquote. Um, he, he also called out... Uh, on Rogue One saying, quote, one thing I pointed out is he was a stereotype. Tickle, typical master doesn't smile, unquote. You know what? Go off, Dunnie in. Um, be, be that badass. Call out those stereotypes. We don't need those. That is true. Why are they always Shang and Chang? That's really stupid. And that's true. They always have some kung fu outfit on or that, 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 like, Pointless collar. I don't mean pointless as in pointless. I mean pointless as it's not a pointed collar like Western Western collars tend to be. Also got a trailer for Disney's new Haunted Mansion movie starring um, Danny DeVito, among others. It looks fun. Uh, definitely trying to erase the memory of the Eddie Murphy one that came out over a decade ago at this point. Uh, we found out who the next Hellboy will be. Uh, Jack Kurt Kessie, uh, who starred in in uh, uh, Deadpool 2, will play De uh, Hellboy in the second reboot, uh, this time playing a much younger Hellboy, though. So it looks like they're going to the past, essentially, for this one. Uh, we also got a trailer and an, a cast list announcement for Seth Rogen's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, this is going to be called, uh, what's it called? It is called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. And, uh, it looks like it's going to have a lot of villains in it. Uh, but we have learned that John Cena will play Rocksteady. Rose Byrne will play Leatherhead. Hannibal Burris will play Genghis Frog. Jackie Chan is playing Master Splinter. 
uh, Ice Cube as Superfly, Not Natasia Demetriou as Wingnut, um, Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman, Post Malone as Ray Filet, Brady Noon as uh, Seth Rogen as Bebop, Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko, and Maya Rudolph as Cynthia Utrom. And then newcomers, we have Micah Abbey as Donatello, Shaman Brown Jr. as Michelangelo, Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo, and Brady Noon as Raphael, and Ayo Edebiri as April O'Neil. And when I tell you newcomers, I mean newcomers because they're all like young kids playing the TMNT. So we're getting actual... We're getting actual, uh, uh, I can't talk, actual teens playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Actual teens playing actual Ninja Turtles. How cool is that? Um, and wow, I should have known who Natasha Dimitriou is because she plays Nadia on what we do in the shadows, and I feel like an idiot now. Um, <laughs> but no, this movie looks cool, it looks fun, it, it's young, it's a different take. I think everyone will be pleasantly surprised when it comes out. The art style is really cool, it reminds me of Into the Spider-Verse, so it does have that comic book feeling. Um, so I'm excited to see, ultimately, what it ends up, how it, how it all comes together, and it... It's fun to have all these different villains in it. Um, so that will be fun. Um, <laughs> Nick Cage was being interviewed and at the Miami Film Festival. And uh, I guess someone... He was accepting an award. And Variety learned um, he won the Variety Legend and Groundbreaker Award. And he talked about past projects, future projects... Um, he said, quote, I understand what the frustration is. I get it. But I think there's plenty of room for everybody. I'm seeing movies like Tar. I'm seeing all kinds of artistic and independently driven movies. I think there's plenty of room for everybody, unquote. And that's in regards to people thinking that the MCU is dominating Hollywood. Um, someone then asked him if he'd ever join the, the MCU. He said, quote, I don't need to be in, in the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. I'm Nick Cage. I can't do a Nick Cage impression. Um, but Nick Nick Cage is probably the only actor that can literally say, I don't need the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, he's the only... He's one of the few actors that has a movie where he plays a uh, satirical version of himself being over the top um, in that movie with Pedro Pascal. So it makes sense. Uh, and then our final story tonight is in regards to a, a report from Variety. Um, and it looks like there's been a major shakeup at Lucasfilm in regards to what the next few Star Wars movies will be. Obviously, this is not entirely... We don't know how true this is just yet. Uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe is a few weeks away, and I'm sure we'll definitely learn there. Um, but via Variety... Um, we've learned that Patty Jenkins's Rogue Squadron movie is no longer in active development and is being pulled from. It was being. It was supposed to come out this year, which 
was not going to happen. Um, and now is no longer in active development. And Kevin Feige's produced film is no longer in active development as well. Obviously, Kevin Feige can't spend his uh, extra time on Star Wars when it, he devotes most of his time to the Marvel Universe. Um, I'm a little upset, though, over the Patty Jenkins thing because a lot of fans want a Rogue Squadron movie. I think it would lend itself well to film. Maybe a TV show, actually, now that I think about it, really. But a, a movie would be great, right? In the vein of Top Gun. The first Top Gun. <laughs> and it just sucks that, you know, I, I think this all stems from Wonder Woman, 19, or Wonder Woman 84 not doing as well as people wanted or her sticking around to... I, Wonder Woman 3 is not even happening anymore, right? So... I don't know what the situation is, and I don't know what's on her slate, but obviously things have opened up where she could potentially come in and do this movie. It sucks, though, that it's not an active development. Maybe it just got delayed, and we'll learn more in the future. We don't know. Uh, the trilogy from Ryan Johnson is apparently still in development, active development, whatever that means. Or not active development, but still on the table. Um, but we have learned, though, uh, for certain, though, is the movie that is coming from Taika Waititi. Uh, Taika is apparently also going to be playing a role in the film. He'll be writing it. That movie is more than likely next up uh, for release. We don't know anything about it, but hopefully... People don't hate on it just because of what happened with Thor Love and Thunder. Taika's funny. He's a good writer. He can bring new life into Star Wars, even though we're not used to comedy. Maybe it'll be a dark comedy. I don't know. Um, again, this is just a report from Variety. We'll obviously learn more when Star Wars Celebration Europe happens in early April. Um, but that is it for Nixner News this week. Thank you guys for listening. That was episode 251. Um, as always, you know, check out our social medias, Nixner News, uh, search on your social media platform of choice, or check out my personal, The Nick DeFalco, of course, over on TikTok, where I'll be host, always posting, uh, what's coming up on the show. Uh, don't forget to check out our website, nixnernews.com, where you guys can check out, uh, listen to the show in your browser, you can find links to all of our places you can subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Amazon Music, we're on iHeartRadio. There is no place you can't find the show. Uh, I, I hope you guys enjoy listening week in, week out. And uh, I am set to go on vacation in just a few short hours. And I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. I will see you next week. And uh, hopefully we'll have some fun news to talk about. Catch you guys on the flip side. Yeah.